welcome to the Company You Keep podcast. I'm your host, Julia Hahn. Today, I'm sitting down with M. Scott of M. The Gem Photography Studio. How are you? Hey, good. I'm so excited to sit down with you because you have so much going on. And I found you through Amanda um, O'Shaughnessy from um, One True Love Vintage Rentals a while ago. And I've been following you for months. And then, like, as I'm following you... And your beautiful Instagram and all your beautiful photography work, I like start putting together these little pieces of other stuff you're doing. And I found the refined woman. And then I was like, is she, is this the same M? Like, I, I can't figure it out, but this, this website's amazing. And then I find your stylist, styling website. So you have like tons of stuff going on and I cannot wait to hear all about it. Yeah. I like to keep it sort of, uh, keep people guessing. Like. Yeah. It's kind of like ambiguous. Like, well, I get frustrated when I'm following people and I feel like they're constantly plugging all their other projects. Oh, like, okay. oh, if I want to follow that person's other thing, I would be following it. So I try to be really conscious. And so, yeah. but hopefully that doesn't come across as like my, they're my secret other lives. No, <laughs> and I want to get like into that and I have some specific questions. But first I want to find out where are you from? Where, how did you like, when did you first pick up a camera and figure out that you are incredible at photography? <laughs> well, um, I'm from Southern California. I grew up, uh, Torrance Redondo beach area and I've always been into art. I first picked up, uh, my mom's camera. She's a, um, I have all her old stuff. Uh, it's so like, is a, your mom a photographer? Uh, no, she, well, she was an amateur photographer. She passed away when I was younger. Oh, um, it's okay. But she um, took just thousands of pictures. She had this old um, 35 millimeter Pentax, like K1000. And uh, we just have like albums full of all these. She took photos at concerts of like all these old, you know, Bob Seger and um, (laughs) the Rolling Stones and stuff like that. Like, yeah, all these old black and white concert photos and so I think that that was what first, you know, drew me into photography was this old film camera. Um, How old were you? Were you like in high school? Yeah, I think I was in middle school. Oh, okay. When so I, you were young. Yeah. Okay. But I mean, I would do it sporadically. Okay. I would just pick up the camera and I think, you know, the first few roles I put through it were of our new puppy. Yeah. <laughs> Um, which that never goes away. I think you always take pictures of new puppies. Oh uh, yeah. Babies. Because puppies are amazing. <laughs> I know. And I want And when you mix million. them with babies, it's just like my mind. Oh I man. I just, there's nothing I love more than puppies right now. <laughs> yeah. But, um, but yeah, so early on, but I was never like photography is it. I was into all sorts of artistic things. I would, um, you know, like make clothes for my dolls. Mm-hmm. I would make mixtapes like back when, uh, yeah, like I would have the cassette recorders and (laughs) from the radio. Yeah. Yeah. From the radio (laughs) had some pretty cool mixtapes and like, I was really into journaling and writing and I have all this really embarrassing poetry from high school. (laughs) And, um, so I was always into everything artistic. Right. I was never like, Oh, I'm a photographer. I just, was interested in every sort of... Did you take art classes in high school? Or did you excel? Because I feel like sometimes artists, maybe they don't get pushed in that direction and they don't even know that they're good at that because they never really took an art class. Exactly, yeah. I did take some art classes and I loved... My art teachers were always praising me uh, and my family was also um, encouraging of art, but it was always sort of like 
you're a great artist, but you can always sort of do that later. Mm, like art, not don't do art as a career. Yeah, yeah. They're like, go to college and oh, you'll yeah. figure it out. Um, I have the same thing because I always loved interior design. Like from a very young age, when I didn't know that was even a career, but everyone told me like, don't study that. Mm-hmm. Study for or study psychology. Yeah, I studied sociology. Well, yeah. and I was actually really good at mm-hmm. at school. Mm-hmm. I really. The thing about my personality is that I'm really good when I have assignments and deadlines and uh, I do everything I do. I do really like I'm a perfectionist. Mm-hmm. So it was like a creative type A. Yeah, it's weird. Yeah. No, um, I, I feel like I'm the same way. <laughs> yeah. It, and I'm very project focused. So school it was really good for me and easy for me to excel at. So as um, I excelled most at writing and telling stories and stuff like that in school. So um, I went to UCLA, got my sociology degree. I probably should have been an English major, but I also am like sort of lazy and a creative person. <laughs> so I was like, oh, I'm not going to do English. Everyone says it's too hard of a major. So I'm going to do sociology. sociology. sounds hard too. Yeah. No, uh, no. I mean, I, I studied, I mean, it was hard, but it was, I studied really interesting things about, I had a, one class uh, about like online gaming communities oh, cool. and yeah, like, I loved sociology. Oh, um, really cool. And then when I graduated and people asked me what I was going to do with that, I just said that I would socialize <laughs> because I really had n- absolutely no perfect I- answer. I had absolutely no idea. And um, so you graduated with a degree in sociology mm-hmm. and you just did not know what was next. No, um, I went and then I spent a year in Tokyo, Japan. Oh, wow. Um, with I was there like as a intern with this um, Christian group that I was involved with at UCLA. Oh, cool. And um, for the most part, you know, I just hung out with Japanese students who wanted to practice their English. And, um, you know, sometimes we would talk about God. And um, But for the most part, you know, I was just, I really wanted to live in another country. And I also just was really interested in the culture. And, um, yeah, so I, I did that for about a year. Were you taking pictures at this time? Yeah. Before I left, I was like, I got to get a new camera. Um, but I actually just bought, like, a digital, like, point-and-shoot camera. And yeah. I did shoot a ton of photos. Um, but once I started shooting film, now I look back at all my digital photos. <laughs> I think that's how it is with, like, all old work. I don't mm-hmm. know. I'm yeah. always looking back at stuff, and I'm like, oh, my God. Like, my parents is practically like a museum of my work and I'm like can you please take that down like stuff from high school yeah yeah (laughs) totally so okay so you graduate from college in UCLA and you head to Tokyo Mm -hmm. so that has got to be like a major culture shift and then also maybe like a lot of inspiration for you yeah yeah I mean it was definitely um a very um interesting experience for me it was very I think in a lot of ways, just a spiritual exploration for mm-hmm. me as well, because I was um, talking so much with these Japanese students about what faith means to them. And um, I think at that time, too, I was really exploring like what m- potentially like careers in ministry, um, like would I like that because I was um, doing that so much in college. But um, I also realized that like if I wasn't <clears throat> doing specific creative projects that had starts and ends like I found myself in Japan sometimes getting frustrated with um maybe how relational my job was that I couldn't necessarily quantify what was happening because it's you know when you're working with people and especially in ministry it's about their heart and right 
you know you're tangible yeah yeah and so as much as I I think I realize as much as I love relationships that I have with people and especially like deep relationships I love getting to know people's hearts and their story um which is why I kind of thought maybe like ministry would be a great thing for me I also realized that yeah it it would could be very draining and also Mm -hmm. hard to not necessarily be able to contribute or do anything for them in a, in a tangible sense. Right. And it's really interesting because you've said now that you are a really good writer and you've also said that you really enjoy hearing people's stories and connecting with people on a really deep level. And photography is really a marriage of those two things. Mm -hmm. Like you are telling stories with your photos and you are also connecting with these people when you photograph them on such a deep level and especially on their wedding day. Mm-hmm. So it's like you did find a creative outlet that yeah. marries all of your things that it sounds like you're good at. Well, it was fortuitous. I mean, well, and I think everything happens for a reason, but I came back from Japan. Um, my husband had uh, proposed when I was in Japan. Oh, did he go with you? No. Oh, okay. He was finishing up his senior year at UCLA. So you guys were together and you moved away. Before? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So we had been dating for about a year and a half okay. in college. And it was like, we're having so much fun. We're in college. And I was graduating and I was like, you know, I don't know exactly what I'm going to do. And I also don't know exactly like if we're going to stay together, but we'll find out. Yeah. Because <laughs> I'm going to move around the world. Good way to look at it. Yeah. Because I think a lot of people, especially now, And with like, I guess a few years ago with the crash and everything, you go to college, that's what you're supposed to do. You're on the right track. You, you know, you get good grades, you get this great degree. And then people are sort of graduates and left with like, I don't know what I'm going to do with myself. Like there aren't any jobs. So I think if you are in that position and you're listening, this is a really great idea is to, you know, go on a soul searching journey or go travel or just change it up, do a 180 and Mm -hmm. do something completely different. Yeah. Well, and I actually... I actually still didn't really know what I was going to do when I got home from Japan. I remember... um, How soon after you got back did your husband propose? Well, he actually proposed my, like, last week in Japan. Oh, okay. He flew out and surprised me. Oh, that's so romantic. It it is really romantic. Love it. Um, It's a really long story. (laughs) I bet you the distance was like, I can't be without this woman. Yeah, and I think it really... um, it it brought us together in a very deep um like friendship way mm-hmm. as well like obviously you know when we got together it was like i have so much fun with this person it's really fun we have all the same friends but i think um being around the world and it was a lot of work I have to communicate the things i was going through right. living in japan and what was hard and what was good and it was a, a lot of work yep. frankly but when I realized that, like, I actually wanted to be sharing with him, like, all that stuff about my life, then I think we really realized that we were best friends. Mm-hmm. And so I think that that really, you know, brought us Made closer together. Made you guys together. really strong. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Definitely. And because we're total that. opposites. Oh, really? Like, exact <laughs> in every sort of way. Besides, like, our values, like, we are, um, our brains just work in entirely different ways. Right. I'm sure they look totally different. His is probably a square and mine's yeah. like a circle or something. <laughs> Which is probably why Obviously, that's it, not it how works, brains work, but you know? I, he's the scientist. I'm not. Scientist so. and an artist. I yeah. love it. I mean, that's how, you know, you keep things fresh and exciting. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. So he proposed and basically I moved, um, he was in Northern California working and I, uh, had moved up here because we were going to plan our wedding and 
I was going to figure out what I was and doing with my life. You moved to San Francisco? Um, the South Bay. The like South the Peninsula. Okay. okay. Yeah, because he was working uh, down here. Okay. So um, I got a job at a coffee shop. Nice. And then I just didn't know. I didn't know what I was going to do. I was planning our wedding. And I was like, that was the first time I realized that wedding photography was a job. Oh, okay. In 2008. Um, not everyone was a wedding photographer. No. Nowadays, uh, basically everyone is a wedding photographer. you're in the industry, but from an outsider perspective, I don't know. It, it doesn't, I don't know. I don't have the same. Well, I think nowadays there, everyone has a friend who is it's a true. wedding photographer or an aspiring wedding photographer. That's true. In 2008, I didn't know anyone who was a wedding photographer. Mm-hmm. And I think that wedding blogs were just starting. Oh, that's true. Digital cameras were like finally at the point where like pros were using them. Mm -hmm. So I think it was, um, there were a lot of things coming together at that time. I bet you the blogs like style me pretty green wedding shoes. Those probably really changed the wedding industry across the board Mm -hmm. because everything seems so accessible now. Like Mm -hmm. you can see it all. You see these florists and these stylists and these photographers work every day. So then a person might be like, Oh, I want to do that with my Yeah, eyes. exactly. So I might create like a Yeah, exactly. Because I was like, well, yeah, like being a wedding photographer, I realized was a perfect union of uh, wanting to be in people's lives, um, do a service for them, but also get to do something creative. And I just was like, well, I just need to figure out how to use a camera, like okay, a real camera. So you had the idea to be a wedding photographer before you really, really knew how to use the equipment. Yes. Is that right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cool. I mean, I had a um I had a point and shoot camera that also had like you could do the manual settings on it. Um and so I I played around with that a little bit, but I didn't really have any sort of equipment mm-hmm. or any of that sort of stuff. Okay. I bet you there's people listening that are in mm-hmm. maybe in a similar boat and they're probably really inspired by you. Yeah, so <laughs> I signed up for uh two photography classes at the local community college. Uh, one of them was like intro to black and white photography. So I had to pull out my mom's Pentax again oh, and, cool. you know, buy some black and white film. And we had to go in the dark room. And that's so fun. Um, and then I took another class that was like the digital photography class. So it was actually really interesting because the intro to like black and white photography, I, you really had to learn all the manual settings on the camera learn the history of photography, learn about composition and, um, go in the dark room and figure out all that stuff. All and like technical side of things. I, yeah. And I loved it. I loved those like building blocks. Um, and the digital photography class was like a lot of, um, like it was like a night school class. And mm-hmm. so really a lot of people that just had bought basically a really, yeah. And didn't know how to use their yeah, camera. Bought a yeah. fancy camera and they were like, okay, so what I really want to do is take pictures of my son's <laughs> soccer game, but they're moving too fast. So, you know, like, like this yeah. Exactly so creatively, I think I, I'm glad that I didn't just sign up for the digital yeah. photography class. So, absolutely, um, yeah. So then I went from there and then I just started taking pictures of other people. <laughs> okay. So, um, what made you decide that you specifically wanted to do weddings at first? That's a good question. I think I also um, had a good sense of myself in the sense that um, I wasn't scared by weddings. Which I like. Are, they are scary. Yeah. Okay. No, they really are. I was like. Most people are frightened. I kind of like that this is like a high pressure, high stakes yeah. environment. Um, 
and especially as a photographer because a lot is riding on your job I think um you have to have a um almost foolish self-confidence in yourself and know that um everything's going to be okay and I think that one thing that really solidified weddings for me was probably my second wedding it was for a friend of a friend so I had never met this um, gal before her wedding day and she was actually getting ready by herself uh, in her hotel room so because she just was like you know I don't I don't want the stress of like a lot of people and I just and I went in there and she was like I know you just this was like six months after I got married she's like I know you just got married and this first time we'd ever met I know you just got married and I'm just feeling a little stressed she's like so could we just like and she knew I, we were both Christians she's like could we like pray together and I was like this is a crazy uh point of entry into someone's life that not only is she trusting me to document this day but that she feels this amount of trust to ask for help and um I was like this is amazing like yeah you must have felt just like a connection well and from that day I think I realized like this is such an amazing way to really be in other people's lives. And oh, I, I, I love making new friendships and new relationships. And, um, so that was a cool thing. I That's was like, this so isn't special. just, I was like, this isn't just a normal job. And in that sense, it felt right to me. Right. Um, and it's so true. Like I know that I've cr- like cultivated really strong bonds with some of the brides I've been able to work with mm-hmm. in my career. And, there is just something special that you have with some of your wedding vendors. And it's mm-hmm. like, I guess it is this like deep sense of trust and you are putting as a bride, you're putting all this trust into this person. And I think it just creates this like really special bond sometimes. Yeah. And it's, it, it's incredibly high pressure, but it's also incredibly rewarding. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So you weren't scared away by... <laughs> no. And it did rain. It, like, rained that whole day. That was my second one. Oh, it rained that whole course. day. And um, I don't even know. I think I had an umbrella, but, <laughs> you know, we just, like, made it work. And But, yeah, I think um, just the fact that... And I think I had really good um, clients in the beginning who... I was very honest with them about my skill level and they just were so appreciative. And, um, you know, when you're just starting out, everyone is willing to take a chance on you. But Mm -hmm. I think the people that that really did take a chance on me were so encouraging. So, you know, kept making, kept kind of pushing me forward. And I think you're really smart to mint. And you just mentioned that you were really honest with them because Mm -hmm. I think as long as you come from an honest place and you say like, I, you know, I'm just starting out and this is where I'm at and you can show them your work. Mm -hmm. I think people are a lot more forgiving. Yeah. Because, well, it's funny because now I'm in a place where people are asking me for advice. And of course I'm like that classic parent, don't do what I did. Um, (laughs) Because now I'm like, oh, gosh, like, I really could have screwed it up. Like, all the technical things that could have gone wrong or, you know, all the, like, just, I didn't have backups. I didn't have all this stuff. And so now doing it. You're like, thank God. Yeah. I didn't almost like I didn't know everything that could have gone wrong in the beginning. And thankfully, nothing did. But I'm always like, if you don't have to do that, it's way better to, um apprentice someone like 
I'm as the kind of just jumping in. Yeah, here first. yeah. I'm the kind of person that, um, you know, when I'm trying to get across town, I'm do- I don't see like all the red lights that are going to be in my path. I'm just like I have to move forward, mm-hmm. which, you know, for better or for worse, like you do hit those things. But I am like a learn by right. By and I was going to say that's but, all part of the learning experience mm-hmm. and learning process, and that is yeah probably a big reason why you're so successful is that you're able to sort of just trudge headfirst into stuff <laughs> also I think um I don't know if you're familiar with the strengths finder test no. have you heard of it okay mm-hmm. it's really interesting and I think all business people should take it because or anyone who's wanting to start their own business okay. because I think it can really give a realistic picture of what your strengths are as a um, business owner but what say the name again strengths finder okay is it a website yeah, it's a website. It's also a book. Okay. Um, but I think you can just do the, the test online. Okay. But, and I'm not sponsored by them or anything. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I think the test I think the test is probably free. But Okay, cool. No, um, I'm going to go look it up when I I know, know a lot of companies, like uh, executive companies, they you make you do this test. To see what your aptitudes Especially, are. Especially, uh, you know, for a lot of people who work with different types of people. But when I took it, I think it really shed a lot of light on... Uh, why I've made the decisions that I've made in my business and how I've grown in my business because um, one of them is that uh, ability to like just you just go you just take take a risk like I'm a risk taker Mm -hmm. okay but also another big one of mine is um, strategic so like if I've taken a risk like I always am trying to evaluate like was that (laughs) Was that a smart risk or was it a bad risk? And like, what, what am I going to do, you know, moving forward? That's a really, really valuable skill, I think. <laughs> yeah. But the problem is I'm always analyzing. Oh, okay. Always like, and you feel I feel like you're second guessing yourself with overanalyzing uh, stuff? Maybe not second guessing, but I think I'm very critical of um, decisions or critical of like work that I've put out. Sometimes it takes me a really long time to be satisfied with work I've created mm-hmm. because I need more distance. Like I'm always looking back at um, a shoot and I'm thinking if I had posed her this way or done this or done that or stepped to the side a little bit. So I'm so analytical in the sense that I'm not always uh, pleased with, I can't like see my work objectively. So mm-hmm. I think the, I wish I could be a little more satisfied. Okay. <laughs> How do you overcome that? Like self-criticism? Cause I feel like a lot of creatives are like that. Yeah. And sometimes it's debilitating. I mean, some people mm-hmm. literally can't get something off the ground because they're not confident enough. Not that you are. I'm just no, saying, yeah. how I do you kind of get past that? Well, for me, just in terms of like photography, all I can think of is sort of practical examples. Like when I get all of my images back from a wedding, I'm shooting film now. So they all come back from the lab and I'm looking at all of the images. And when I look at all of them as a whole for the first time, I'm usually let down. Not in the, f- not in like anything technical, mm-hmm. but just like either compositionally or like, I wish I had done this or done that or oh. gotten some different poses this sure. way or that way. Um, and it takes me, I have to like distill those images down to my favorites. Okay. Then I start to like them a little more and then I have to like take a break okay. and then and like, so time, I have to give myself some time. Step back. Don't look at the pictures mm-hmm. for a little while. Yeah, which I've already had some of that built in with the time from the, the time I shoot the wedding and the right. films at the lab. It takes a few weeks to get back to me. So there's already a little bit of built in time, which is helpful. Then, you know, I go through them and I have to give myself a little bit of time. Usually it just depends. A lot of times I have other projects, so I have time to 
you know, a few days. Mm -hmm. So once I get like, then my favorites narrowed down, then I have to, I have to like turn them into a product somehow. So either get prints made or put together an album or a blog post. You were looking at them digitally. Mm -hmm. I mean like on the computer. Okay. Get the scans back. Okay. So it's like, I almost have to finish the project to be able to appreciate like you have to weed out like the noise and mm-hmm. the stuff that you're not impressed with mm-hmm. in order to really see the true value. Yeah, because I'm because I'm so, you know, like distracted by some of the ones that aren't perfect. But if I put together the ones that I do really love and really when it comes to a wedding, like you just need a 20 to 30 images that you really love. And mm-hmm. like those can tell the whole story of the day. And so if I'm really proud of 20 to 30 images and I see them in a book and I see the story that they tell and um, obviously like if my client loves them, that's important to me too. But if I feel that I've like done a good job with that, then I start to appreciate them and then a little more time passes and I like them a little more. So yeah, it's a really interesting process. Mm-hmm. So when do you share them with your bride after you've narrowed it down to your top like 50 or so what I do now um is I'm trying to make it a more tactile process because we're so used to just seeing everything on the screen. So after I've uh, narrowed down my favorites, I I get those printed. Um, and then I, I try to send um, my bride a package that includes some proofs, um, hopefully a small little gift album, and just like so that she can see. Because a lot of times if you see, if you go through a gallery of, 30 images on the computer you're like clicking so quickly yeah. and you're and like oh is really that it distracting like mm-hmm. I have done tons of shoots too and I like I'm not trained like you are mm-hmm. so I'm not in a photographer looking at with a photographer eye but I get really distracted like mm-hmm. I can't figure out how does this story goes together mm-hmm. and it's really hard to do that so if you can do that for your client well and I think the feeling of maybe holding 30 to 40 prints in your hand like there's that feeling of like uh, weight and seeing them printed. I feel like we look at them more um, gracefully. And mm-hmm. so I think, I don't know, there's something special about that. So I totally agree. It's tough to like make all those steps happen when. Uh, That's <laughs> a lot of steps yeah. for one client yeah, it too. Is. So I try not to take on too many. I was going to say, how many weddings do you think you do a year? Yeah, I'm averaging... Um, like five to ten okay cool so um I mean there was about five last year because Mm -hmm. I had my first child and um yeah and then this year I'm looking at around uh eight to nine I think okay so it's a busier year (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah um busy years I did probably 15 20 wow uh and I realized that that was a little too much okay so you'd made the decision to scale back Mm -hmm. and then when you made the decision to scale back, did your process change or have you always been putting in this much time like with each client and going? No. Yeah, I definitely, um, when I was shooting 15 to 20, it was, there was a lot of pressure for me to like get projects done as quickly as possible. So just send out the gallery, make sure they have their images like onto the next and, um, you know, that made me unhappy. Right. (laughs) So I really like that. So Mm -hmm. you just, you made a business decision to scale back and so that your process and that your product that you're putting out could be better. So you chose quality over quantity. Yeah. I love that. And not a lot of people can really say that they can do that. Yeah. Fortunately, I think I've been in um, a good position in terms of, you know, like, um, because my husband's not a creative person and he has a more stable um, 
job. Mm-hmm. Like there's not as much pressure on me to be bringing in a lot of sure. income. Yeah. So, I mean, I got into wedding photography, not necessarily to, um, you know, make a lot of money in the, in the first place. So fortunately I think I've had a little bit of a luxury in that respect. Mm-hmm. So it's been a little bit easier for me to make those choices, intentional choices. Yeah. But at the same time, you're still like so incredibly talented and above the rest in a lot of ways though. It's like, even though you may have had a little bit more freedom, it's still so incredibly hard to rise above, especially in, as you said, in the wedding business and the photography business in particular, because it's very saturated. Yeah. And I think we get tempted to make all these business decisions based on what other people are doing. Mm -hmm. We've talked about that on so many shows, the problems with compare comparing yourself and like the pace the pace at which other people yeah. do things I think it's huge like, for me so busy every weekend and you're like oh my gosh what's wrong with me I don't have any weddings this weekend or something like that yeah especially in the beginning I think I felt a lot of pressure to be booking a certain amount um you know and my friends who were working every weekend and I think I just realized like man I could be working every weekend and I would hate it. Yeah, you would. And you know what? You wouldn't have a good product. You probably wouldn't be the same photographer that you are now if you mm-hmm. did because mm-hmm. you'd be burnt out. You wouldn't be spending as much time per client on picking out the best. And maybe mm-hmm. and then at that point, you're, what you're showing and what's getting put on blogs isn't your best work because mm-hmm. you haven't taken that real critical editorial eye to everything. Mm-hmm. So I think that since you get to do that, and that's been probably amazing for your career yeah I mean I hope so do you um okay so you also started first of all this woman has three beautiful websites <laughs> and so you need to check them all out one is mthegem.com and that's M the gem photography that's your photography studio mm-hmm. now the other one that I just stumbled upon and absolutely am obsessed with is the refined woman and it's the refined woman.com right yes yeah. and that one is like it's so personal. I literally got stuck on it for like an hour one day. And as I've gotten like sort of older, I guess, um, I've wanted to read more on blogs and I want to really connect more. And that's why I love like Grace Bonnie and Design Sponge because she really puts her like heart and soul into these posts. Mm -hmm. And so do all of her editors and the contributors. And so I felt that way when I was reading The Refined Woman. Like I read about these women and their struggles and being a mom and being in fashion and all the stuff that you really want even though, you know, maybe it's not exactly like my life. It's so interesting to read about other women's life. Mm-hmm. So let's talk a little bit about refined women, the refined woman. How did that start? Yeah. I mean, credit for the refined woman concept, um, goes to my, um, blog partner, uh, co-founder, her name is Kat Harris. And she actually, um, had it as a feature on her. She's a full-time, um, wedding editorial photographer as well. She's based in New York now. We met through photography. I took a workshop that, um, her boss was running. She was assisting and, um, we just connected immediately. I think she was like, you're wearing all J crew. And I was like, so are you. And then, (laughs) yeah, we were like, okay, we gotta be best friends. Um, (laughs) Yeah. And we had some mutual friends. And so we just started, um, connecting through that and, we were both still fairly new in our, our Which, businesses. Were you guys living and, in the same area at the time? No, um, she was in LA at the time, okay. and I was in San Francisco. And so, uh, but I have family down there, so I had you know gone down to see her a few times. And um, so, the refined woman, uh, she was shooting a lot of runway and fashion, and just seeing um, 
sort of the influence that bloggers can have and uh, realizing that like uh, she has a, a voice and a story to tell and um, she loved, you know, photographing fashion and being a part of it. But um, I think she really needed a partner in the sense that, you know, it's a lot of work running a blog and, oh my gosh. Uh, you know, running it's so hard to run a blog <laughs> photography uh, business full time. And she also is more interested in the photography, whereas I was really looking to get into more styling and fashion and um, doing a project like that. And so that's how it started. And I think the more we started putting out posts that were more from the heart and telling our stories, telling stories of other women, um, and, you know, from the beginning, too, we were really, really interested in the way that the clothes make you feel. Mm-hmm. And it's not necessarily about what you're wearing. It's about how those things make you feel and what kind of impact that has on you. As, because after um, all, that's mm-hmm. all that matters. Be- exactly. The way that you feel in an outfit or, uh, or in your clothes is, is exactly how you mm-hmm. project yourself onto the world. And no one else really notices except for, like, how confident you look and how you present yourself yeah so I mean I think we felt like it was this um you know platform for us to share more about um the things we were thinking and feeling um telling more of our own stories and um for me I was excited about doing something more fashion-based so um and when did the, you guys launch the refined woman we launched it in um February 2013 okay I think January um so yeah, we um she, and she also too is really great at connecting with people. She has great connections with other people. She's very uh if you ever meet her, she'll know your life story in 2 seconds. Okay. Um, <laughs> she's a good Texas girl. Aww. And um whereas like I'm really interested in the branding and I wanted to make all the choices for our blog and I want to choose colors and you know, so I think that it was like a really happy marriage in that sense of sounds perfect working on stuff together yeah um so yeah so then we just started working on it together and um organizationally it's slightly a challenge for the both of us because we're running so many things oh, but gosh, um, I know. how many posts are you putting up a week are you putting up one every day our goal is to do two posts a week okay so it's so still really relevant mm-hmm. i mean every mm-hmm. time i've gone on to it it's i've had new stuff to look at and yes stuff. Plus, your Instagram is really awesome. Yeah. How have you, um, like, cultivated – both your Instagram for M the Gem and Refined Woman are really beautiful, and, like, you have this very strong following. How have you cultivated that? I mean, everyone wants to have this, like, big following, but mm-hmm. you have to have a, have a great product. Like, you have to have beautiful pictures. Yeah, you do have to have beautiful pictures. I think um, people um, have an incredible radar for authenticity, and I think that – um, you have to have a strategy for what you're going to post. I think it's good to know, like, why am I posting these things? And what am I, what's even the point of mm-hmm. this? Um, so you're saying with each post, post be really thoughtful and authentic. Yeah. Well, up. and I think too, I try to think about it in terms of like types of things I'm posting, whether it's, um, and the gem or the refined woman, um, I actually run both of those. I run the refined woman's Instagram account just because I'm such a control freak yeah. over the branding of it and I like to be able to see the posts lined up together sure. um so I think it's not just about you know having pretty pictures although obviously like people want to see pretty pictures I think 
thinking about like why does this post even matter mm-hmm. to anyone mm-hmm. like it's not like I just want to throw up a certain number of pretty pictures each day. It's like, well, what am I even saying about this thing? And why does it matter to anyone? So you want it to have more purpose. Yeah. Like you're not, some people are like, you have to post every morning, afternoon and night. And it's like, well, there's a lot more to it. Than no, yeah. I'm terrible about three times consistency <laughs> with, with my posts. Like sometimes, I mean, I think being a mom as well, it's like, sometimes I just don't get to it till 9 PM. Like totally. I just say, okay, well, hopefully someone's around to read this right now. Like, <laughs> and that's the beauty of Instagram. Someone's always around. To yeah. Look at it. Yeah. Yeah. I know. And I, that's the one area where I think I could grow in my strategy, but, uh, <laughs> just the time of day. I just don't always get to that in a certain time, but, um, on the refined woman and I'm the gem. Um, I'm trying to post at least once a day. Yeah. But I like that because it's actually, it, even just saying that is more authentic. Like you want the post to have more purpose than that. Mm-hmm. It doesn't really, the time of day is not going to make or break yeah. the situation. I mean, I feel <laughs> great and on top of the world if I can get two great posts out in a day. But, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, sometimes I'm like looking at my phone and if it's not going to happen. Yeah. And sometimes if you feel like you're forcing it, mm-hmm. then that's not going to work. It's not going to resonate with your audience yeah. probably. Yeah. I mean, I would guess. <laughs> You're the expert. Well, <laughs> sometimes I'm just like, I just need to take a break from yeah. my phone and, okay. and I try to just put you it know, away. You mentioned you are a mommy, mm-hmm. which is awesome. Is it hard to balance that in your full-time? Okay. You have like three careers here. You have a yeah. full-time photographer, the refined woman. I feel like Instagram is kind of a career oh, now. Yeah. Like you're managing these two huge accounts. I mean, that is something. So that's not just putting up pretty pictures. So you have a lot sort of, of balls in the air. Mm-hmm. How... Well, it takes a village. I mean, my husband is my number one support. He, um, you know, I have, we have daycare two, two times a week. Um, first of all, if you're a mom and you're a business owner, you, daycare, you need daycare. Yes. Like you got to get them out of the house. Right. Um, you cannot work and from it's home hard. with no, baby. It's hard. <laughs> and I, I mean, maybe like if people have really sleepy, wonderful babies, but like my baby's a beautiful little maniac yeah. and she's just running around <laughs> screaming all the time. Yeah. Um, and she wasn't a great sleeper. And so I was always obsessing about that, but daycare. And, um, because I have only two days of daycare, my husband, um, drops, he takes her and he picks her up on his way to work. So So it's actually not on his way to work. It's totally out of the way because (laughs) daycare in the Bay area is a whole nother thing. Let's not even get into it, but (sighs) So you that have another podcast me... just for like mommy tips oh, and yeah. finding daycare. Well, I'm... I am not. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think every mom I've ever talked to has been like, oh, I don't have it figured out. And I think That's it okay. is a constant negotiation of like, you need help and you need to be able to let go of control okay. of certain things. I think that's the biggest thing I've learned is that if, if I'm not willing to let go of control of certain things in her life my daughter's life, then I'm going to drive myself crazy because yeah. you just can't control every little thing. So like learning where to let go, mm-hmm. learning where to receive help and ask for help as well. Um, I have an incredible mother-in-law who takes her one and a half to two days a week. Oh, and so um, nice. yeah, I mean, I just, I couldn't be working just on the side. And I know a lot right. of moms that, that do that and they kill themselves. And I think, um, so having like a real sort of structured schedule of when the baby's going to be here when the baby's not that helps for me I need full days right to be able to get anything done Mm -hmm. I don't I could never and I tried to do this for a long time like tried to get in like two or three hours here and two or three hours there and like by the time I had made my coffee and a sandwich like I was like had to go (laughs) pick her up again and you're so sort of disconnected I feel like when you when you plan days like that Mm -hmm. so you're 
product probably will suffer if you yeah. do. Well, yeah. And especially with creative work, I think you need to set aside a big chunk of time to get stuff done. I'm realizing like if I don't have a full day, I won't get any editing done. Oh, you know, I won't yeah. do any, I won't get any emails answered right. because I just can't do those things unless I'm like 100% focused, right. like totally. well-fed, showered, yeah. Yeah. gone to yoga, <laughs> slept good the night before. <laughs> like, yeah, I totally, totally But I think self-care is important too. And I yeah. think having full days of childcare, I have to build in self-care time as well because I think that, um, you know, the, the better you take care of yourself, the better you can take, take care, care of others. Yeah, yeah and your work and really all that stuff. Advice. It's easy to neglect, though. And mm-hmm. I even have days where Especially I run around like, mom, yeah, I run around like a maniac some days and I lay down to bed at night and I'm like, why did I do? Like, I didn't even stop today. I have that same problem. I think I'm seven months pregnant for people who didn't know that. Um, and I think that I'm like my same self as not pregnant. And I will plan like five meetings in one day and I can't do that anymore. You're like I, I just, need to eat right yeah, now. Yeah, I'm like, oh my gosh, why am I still doing this to myself? And it's like just figuring out these boundaries. You probably had to figure out a whole new set of boundaries and routines when the baby was born. So mm-hmm. well it's constantly changing and evolving mm-hmm. as a mom. There's always constantly new things to address and change and I think being flexible. Being flexible. And that is the most important thing. Trying not to watch too much TV. Yeah. <laughs> No, we have nights where we really are just like, oh, we just want to watch TV for oh, like 10 hours, absolutely. but we try to limit it. Yeah. Try, well, I do. Because <laughs> oh, I'm like, if I don't like get something done, then I can start to go crazy. Yeah. Well, that's all such good advice. Unfortunately, we're out of time, but that went by so fast. That did one. That I, went really I fast. I do want to touch on your styling because you're an incredible stylist. Oh, thank you. And she also has and yet another website, <laughs> mjanescott.com. And it's beautiful and elegant as all of your websites are. Um, so I did want to just touch on this really quick. If we have time, um, you can cut out some what? stuff in the middle. I'm sure I didn't say anything. <laughs> the beauty good. of this podcast <laughs> is we don't edit anything. It's all what you nice. hear is exactly what we say. But, um, what made you make the three distinctive, um, different websites? We kind of talked about it in the beginning yeah. and I think a lot of people battle with this. Do you mention, you know, each project on one site? Mm-hmm. Do you have three different sites? So how did you the sti- Yeah, the styling um, really evolved organically out of the photography because I started to realize that I wanted to have more control in the way things looked um, on certain projects. And I, I really grew as a stylist simultaneously to growing as a photographer. Like as I was photographing things, and this is probably part of just why I'm a very strategic thinker like I would look at the shoot and be like oh if this if I had this type of napkin or this if the dress was a little bit more like this yeah I'm like kind of obsessed about all those details so um yeah I just started doing those things um you know for my own shoots and uh the photography community is incredibly collaborative and tight-knit and I really respect a lot of the photographers that I am friends with and who refer work to me. And so it was, it started to become a way where I could do things for them and get to work with my friends. Cause otherwise I don't really get to work with my friends. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's how it's just started evolving. And finally, uh, I was doing a shoot with a photographer and then it was going to be featured uh, on once wed. And I was like, okay, well I got to get a website. <laughs> like I gotta just, right. I actually did it in one day because uh, really, yeah, thank you. Squarespace. Gosh, that's awesome. <laughs> you guys need to check out mjanescott.com. It's really beautiful. Thank you. Oh, cool. Well, so. 
You have such a great story and it was so lovely to talk to you and hear about your success really over the last several years and everyone who's listening you have to check out her instagram it's so beautiful well the refined woman is is really a great read it's a great blog it's beautiful and you can really connect with these different women so i definitely highly recommend going on that website and looking at that instagram the refined woman and then m the gem is just like beautiful fine art film wedding photography photos and also her like killer style so you got to check that out too oh stop (laughs) you can't tell i'm blushing (laughs) well thank you so much okay i'm your host julia hahn reminding you to surround yourself with people like m because you are the company you